Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 645 for the 2nd of June, 2019. This week, tech support seems a lot more complex than it really is. Once you realize that hardware and software companies really don't want to hear your tech support questions, the path to solving your own problems becomes clearer. In short circuits, Windows 10 version 1903 should have been released in March, but it's just now being pushed out. If your computer hasn't yet been updated and you wonder why, Let's explore that topic. What's in 1903? Well, there are some useful features. You may think that one of my favorites is downright silly. If you do, well, I'll have to agree with you. Windows users can choose from three text-based consoles now. Do we really need them? We do, and I'll explain why. In spare parts, only on the website, maybe you thought you'd never use high school math? but you probably found that's wrong, and Texas Instruments is rewarding exceptional math teachers. Prices for security cameras continue to drop, and they are now well within the reach of most people. And sometimes virtual reality is better than real reality. Let's think about that for a moment. With some exceptions, tech support stinks. I've recently had some surprisingly good results when dealing with internet service provider Wide Open West and with Skylum, the company that's responsible for photo management application Luminar 3. In most cases, though, it seems that it's better to analyze and resolve problems on my own whenever possible. But you're a tech guy, you'll say. Well, that's true. But really, I'm more of a words and pictures guy than a hardware and software guy. I can write a relatively basic website application in PHP, but I'm no programmer. My primary advantage when it comes to figuring out what's gone wrong on the computer and putting it right is that I'm nosy and persistent, and I've been doing this for a long time. Oh, and I also have reasonably good Google skills. A long time ago, back in August of 2009, to be more or less precise, Randall Monroe, who created the XKCD cartoon site, drew the ultimate tech support cheat sheet. It is probably safe to say that at least 77.67% of all people who work or have worked in tech support have or at some time in their careers had this cartoon posted on the wall of their work area. It is, as I said, the ultimate tech support cheat sheet. If you follow the instructions, there is at least a 77.67% chance that you will solve whatever technical problem you have with any particular program. The XKCD site's name is a point of contention, but it seems to fit in with Monroe's description, a webcomic of romance, sarcasm, math, and language, he says. And if you look at the text, you'll note that he does use the Oxford comma, or is it the Harvard comma? At any rate, he uses it whenever he writes a series, and that makes me happy. XKCD is not an initialism. It is not an abbreviation. It is not an acronym. Monroe says it is just a word with no phonetic pronunciation. In other words, it's pronounced XKCD. 
But to get back on topic here, Monroe's flowchart is accurate. When I don't know how to perform a task in a program, I start by looking through the menu structure. That's what he suggests first. Choosing an option that seems like a reasonable choice often solves the problem. If it doesn't solve the problem, and if I have looked through the entire menu structure, including the submenus and the sub-submenus and the sub-sub-submenus without any success, it is time to use a little Google Foo. Now, this is the place where too many people get stuck. They try to think like Google and type needlessly complex terms into the search box. Don't try to impress Google. Just type a few words that describe what you want to do. Here's an example. I don't often use Photoshop to process multiple files, and I can never remember how to do it. But when I searched for batch convert files Photoshop, four words, batch convert files Photoshop, the problem was solved. Elapsed time? About 20 seconds. Let's face it, companies really don't want you to call tech support. In the 1990s, WordPerfect offered unlimited free support forever. When users called, they would speak with technicians in Orem, Utah. Now, callers might have to wait, but WordPerfect had more than music on hold. A live disc jockey told callers how long they should expect to wait. That was unusual then and unheard of now because the bean counters have determined that every second a user spends on hold, or even worse, with a support technician, reduces the CEO's ability to buy a second yacht or another vacation home. Because companies want to reduce tech support costs, most tech support is provided by technicians in India. Harish may tell you his name is Harry. Sai may say he is Sam. Anya may claim to be Anne. Some of the technicians may know what they're talking about. Others do not. And by the way, that is true if support is based in the U.S. too. The first person you'll talk with is generally referred to as a level one tech. The old joke is that this is someone who is guaranteed to be breathing and able to read a checklist. That, however, is a disservice to the people who have these jobs. In fact, many of them are nearly as knowledgeable as more experienced technicians, but company policy will not allow them to deviate from the script. You will be asked to confirm basic information. What I found is that the level one tech will usually ask me to perform actions that I've already done. When I do have to call tech support, I try to short-circuit the process by explaining the steps I've already taken. Ideally, the technician will realize that the issue I'm calling about is beyond his or her level of expertise, or his or her allowed level of expertise, and pass me on to a level 2 tech. Level 2 technicians are usually able to go well beyond the script. They have a good understanding of how the application works, and they have access to knowledge-based data. They can often resolve the problem. No small amount of software companies refer to me as the edge condition guy. An edge condition is rare and occurs only when several uncommon events happen simultaneously. I seem to be reasonably adept at finding these kinds of situations and programs. At this point, the level 2 technician would then pass the baton to a level 3 technician or a developer. Most of the issues never need to get that far, though. So if you want to avoid calling tech support, let's take a look at some of the common issues and see how to resolve them. Here are just three things to consider if your computer starts acting a little wonky. First, have you installed a new application recently? If you have, try uninstalling the application. If that fixes the problem, you know where the problem was and you're done. Second, think about when the problem occurred. 
Did it appear after you experienced a power outage or a crash? If that's the case, the registry may have been damaged, so try using System Restore to go back to a previous system state. And third, and this is probably the most common problem, have you installed some new hardware? Drivers are a very common problem. Before calling tech support, check the support section of a device manufacturer's website because the problem you're seeing has probably been seen and possibly resolved by others. Another option involves specifying the new device's name, the manufacturer, and any error codes in a Google search. But before implementing any of the recommendations you find on Google, be sure to think about them a little bit first. Google searches can lead to sites that dispense malware. So download new drivers only from the manufacturer's website. And if you can't avoid tech support, prepare yourself. For hardware, make sure you have the model name and number, the serial number, and the purchase date. If you're calling about software, you should have the name of the application, the version number, and the purchase date. In either case, you should be prepared to provide the operating system name and the version number. If the hardware or software displayed an error message, take notes so that you will be able to give the technician the exact text that was displayed, the exact text. The technician may be familiar with the error message, and if not, the message may at least be referenced in a searchable database that the technician has access to. When you have all of the information ready, prepare to wait, possibly for a long time. Longest waits are Monday morning and Friday afternoon. Weekends are usually not good choices, but depends on the company. Sometimes they're really good choices. Don't even think about calling the day after Christmas. As I mentioned, a considerable amount of tech support is provided by offshore technicians, often people in India, so you may have trouble understanding the technician. If communication is too difficult, ask to have the call transferred either to a supervisor or to a level 2 support technician. In other words, don't just end the call and call back hoping you'll get someone who's easier to understand. And then consider this. Most companies prefer that customers use chat functions that have been added to the support section of their website, and this is generally the best option for those who need support. Offshore technicians who may have a little trouble speaking understandable English almost always type clear English sentences, so before you pick up the phone, see if the company you need to contact has a chat option. Microsoft finally started pushing out what should have been the March 2019 feature update on the 21st of May. You may not have received it yet. Options do exist if you don't want to wait. And there is one significant gotcha that will affect anyone who has a USB drive or an SD memory card mounted as a drive. If you want to manually install version 1903, dismount and physically disconnect any such drives before you proceed. That will eliminate a long waste of time. And here's why. In my example, my Microsoft Surface Pro has a secure digital memory card mounted as Drive D. When the update didn't appear as expected, I downloaded the Update Assistant, which I'll tell you about in a little bit. Everything proceeded normally for more than half an hour, and then the installer displayed a message that said the hardware didn't support the new version of Windows. Now wait a minute. Windows 
is a Microsoft operating system. The Surface Pro is a Microsoft product, and I have the most recent model. So how could this be? Well, there was an explanatory link that took me to a page with an explanation. If you have an external USB drive, SD memory card, or UFS card attached when installing Windows 10 version 1903, you may get an error message stating this PC cannot be upgraded to Windows 10. This is caused, the message said, by inappropriate drive reassignment during installation. Okay, so I've seen that problem before. It's a bit of an annoyance, but fixing the problem is a simple matter of using the disk manager to reassign the drives. It's good that Microsoft allows users to avoid the problem, but it seems to me that the warning happens at the wrong time. At the beginning of the update process, the installer checks hardware, memory, and disk space. In my case, it reported everything okay for the Surface Pro, and then through the error message only after it had been working for more than 30 minutes. Then it had to roll back the changes before it could display the error message. That very first hardware test should see the USB and SD devices that are attached, stop the process right there, and explain the issue. So when I wanted to update the primary computer, which has four attached USB drives, I shut the computer down, turned off the external drive so that they would not be mounted at boot time, and then restarted the computer. The update assistant performed properly, but slowly, and the update was complete in a little less than two hours. After the update, I shut the computer down, powered up the external drives, and restarted the computer. Everything was right where it should be. For now, Microsoft says that it has applied a hold on devices with an external USB device or an SD memory card attached until the issue is resolved. The company also notes that the driver reassignment is not limited to removable drives. Internal hard drives may also be affected. Wait, in other words, any computer with more than one hard drive, regardless of how they're connected, might start up following the update with drive letters reassigned. If you're thinking, well, that makes no sense, I agree, totally. Although there are several methods that can be used to update the computer, my recommendation is to use the Update Assistant if checking for updates in Settings, Update, and Security doesn't display the expected update. You'll find a link to the Update Assistant on the TechBiter Worldwide website this week. So maybe you're wondering why it would even be worth installing the 1903 feature update. Well, maybe we can take a look at what's in it for me. Some people who use Windows hate Microsoft. Despite clear evidence to the contrary, they say Windows 10 is the worst operating system ever. Some of these people have never used Windows 10, still are using Windows 7 or maybe even XP. They are not the target audience for this segment of the podcast. Windows 10 users will find some very useful features in the 1903 update. Here are some in no particular order that I consider worth taking the time needed to perform the slightly convoluted installation process. The first is one you might consider to be silly. It's now possible to set a user-specified color for the taskbar. That's the place where I keep icons for my most frequently used applications. Until now, the black taskbar background made one icon virtually invisible. 
with a light green background, that particular icon is now quite visible. And it also just looks better. Also, in Settings, Personalization, Colors, you'll find the option for a light mode for Windows, a light mode for apps that support it, transparency effects, and the one I used, Accent Color. Turning transparency effects on or off does require a reboot, and the change is entirely cosmetic. It has absolutely no useful purpose, but I like it. The color changes affect the shell. That's the part of the operating system that includes the Start menu, Action Center, Taskbar, Context menus, and for touch devices, the Touch Keyboard. After trying the light mode, you may still prefer the dark mode. Currently, I'm enjoying the light mode and the modified accent color that makes the taskbar easier for me to read. Microsoft split Cortana and Search after having combined them several versions ago. This change has received a lot of attention, and most of it has been negative. I don't really care one way or the other because I used Cortana only when I wanted to see how it worked, and when I'm looking for something, I rarely use the built-in search function. Although I haven't yet used the Sandbox feature, which is available only on Windows Pro and Windows Enterprise versions, it is a feature that's both useful and powerful. It is also turned off by default, and turning it on isn't possible in settings. Instead, users need to go to the old-style control panel. Then drill down, control panel, programs and features, turn Windows features on or off. And even then, you might not be permitted to enable it. Virtualization support needs to be enabled in the computer's hardware, and if it's not already turned on, you'll need to open the BIOS settings at boot time and enable it. I'll doubtless do that sometime, but not now. It's a good idea, but it's a feature for power users. Once I enable both virtualization in hardware and the sandbox in the control panel, I should find Windows Sandbox in the Start Menu's apps list. The virtual machine looks just like Windows 10, but installing an application actually installs nothing because the virtual machine is discarded when the machine is rebooted. Using the sandbox, users can install applications as a test, and if they cause problems, ha, no harm is done. The sandbox is the closest thing to a blockbuster change, and it won't be available to those with Windows Home systems. Some users may want to delay feature updates, but that's not something that appeals to me. Feature updates are often worthwhile and always interesting, so that's not a feature I'll use. But it's there if you want to use it. Overall, though, there's enough in the 1903 update to make me happy. How about you? Let's call this section Console Yourself. Not console, console. See, it's kind of a play on words. Well, never mind. Windows 10 users can now choose from three consoles. There's Command, which looks a lot like the old DOS prompt. PowerShell, which understands DOS, Linux, and native PowerShell commands. And if you've enabled it, Ubuntu's Bash, the born-again shell. Whichever one you want to use is right there waiting for you. Back in the earliest days of the graphical user interface, I realized that some operations were faster in the GUI, and others were faster in the text-based DOS prompt. Most of that speed differential has been eliminated in the ensuing 30 years, but the command line still has its uses. 
That's probably why Microsoft provides three options. Command, in particular, is misleading. It looks a lot like the old DOS command line, and most of the old DOS commands still work. As a result, a lot of people think that Command is really just DOS with a new name on a high-resolution, full-color screen instead of an amber or green screen from the 1980s. Updates to the console applications have added customization and color. Control-C and Control-V now work to copy and paste text between the console and the rest of the Windows environment, and even the Windows accessibility tools now work inside the console. Although users can start both GUI and text-based applications from the command line, these applications are not actually hosted by the console. That's one primary difference between DOS and command. The console simply acts as a user interface layer to command line apps and has no direct connection between the console and the application. If you're a developer or a system administrator, command line tools are essential. That's not true for most users, but there are still times when PowerShell, Command, or Linux Bash can perform tasks that would be impossible, or at least difficult, using a graphical user interface. There's no need for a console to view spare parts. It's only on the website, though, so you do need a browser. This week, maybe you thought you'd never use high school math you probably found that's wrong, and Texas Instruments is rewarding exceptional math teachers. Prices for security cameras continue to drop, and they are now well within the reach of most people. And sometimes virtual reality is better than real reality. Let's think about that for a moment. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.